beginning of Romans 8 tells us, there is uh, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, the law, and these are things that Paul is saying uh, to his readers in Rome. And uh, he's, he's going to explain to them the law can't save you, so God sent his son to fulfill the law. Uh, he condemned sin in the flesh and uh, because he lived a sinless life and, and died in our place. So uh, Romans 8, just reading through that, you'll see the gospel all through it. Uh, we understand in our readings that we have, uh, if you consider even uh, reading back to Romans 7, don't probably not right now, I might be a little bit distracted as I'm teaching, right? But Romans 7, uh, to get some more context, and then run, roll into Romans, Romans 8. But uh, it's described in our text uh, that, that we've studied in the past couple of weeks of the freedom of indwelling sin. And uh, Paul is talking about in Romans 8 saying, uh, with the encouragement to walk according to the Spirit and not uh, to the flesh. Well, those are commands uh, and an encouragement, right? You know, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit and not of the flesh, not of, of this world. Romans 8, chapter 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We talked about that last week. It's a no-brainer, right? Uh, even a kid that didn't pay attention in school at all. I could get this multiple-choice question right. Do you want death or do you want life and peace, right? A or B. You had C in there, and I got a little nervous. D, and I was, wow, I was shooting you know, shots in the dark. This is an easy one. Do we want life and peace or do we want death? It's just a difference of how are we going to walk? We're going to walk according to God's word and as his spirit leads us, or we're going to walk according to our flesh and do what our flesh is telling us to do. We need to recognize you know, the voices that are speaking to us, right? We need to recognize, is this my flesh speaking to me or is this from the Holy Spirit speaking to me? It's usually easy. Right. So if we see something that's trying to lead us down the road of following our desires and that's enticing us to sin. Right. What James tells us, we're uh, led astray when we're uh, following our desires. And then uh, that, you know, then we'll be enticed to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Right. So we, if you follow that road, OK, if I do this, where is that going to take me? But if I do this, where is that going to take me? The Lord gives us those opportunities. We saw in chapter seven, Paul saying there's a war going on. You know, there's a war between good, you know, the things that I, I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I am doing, right? So we have to be able to recognize the voice of the Lord. How do we do that? By knowing the word of God. What does God have? What has he already said to us? Because if we're looking up into the sky, waiting for some word to be written, uh, you know, in the clouds or something, guys, we don't need to do that. It's much more simple. It's much more practical for us to grab the book that he has preserved for thousands of years for us and find out who God is and what he has to say to us. It's that easy. It's not this cosmic thing that we have to wait for. We may, in times when we're sharing with people, get be confronted of, well, you know, where is God? He hasn't done anything in the last 2,000 years. Yeah, those are all 2,000-year-old miracles. And you can tell them, no, the fact that I'm talking to you is a miracle because God is, is, is orchestrating a conversation between you and I to reveal himself to you. Right. We can share that. Right. Romans 2, 4, that it's the goodness of God that calls us to repentance. And you can say, you know what? The goodness of God is reaching out to you in this conversation. That's guys. It's that easy. If we just we're equipped with a few things. Right. And hopefully a lot of things. Right. You know, if we're going into battle, you want to have everything set. You want to have all your weapons ready. You want to have all those things ready. We are called to be ready. We can't be sleeping. 
We especially uh, the the more as the day approaches, we need to be more and more ready, and we need to be sharing more and more. You know, there there is a battle going on, and you know, in 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 our minds, you know, we can't trust our our hearts. We've talked about that, right? We can't trust our hearts. We can't trust our emotions. We need to trust in the Word of God and submit our will, our thoughts, and and what we're doing to what God has to say. And that's where we're going to find a victory. We're going to find a freedom. So the result of living according to the flesh is death. The result of living according to the Spirit is life and peace. That's an easy one, right? <clears throat> Verse 14. We're backing up a little bit before we jump ahead here uh, into 16. But for as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption uh, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, First uh, John tells us, uh, he says, Beloved, we are now sons of God. You know, sons of God are those that are being led by the Spirit of God. So if we're wondering whether we're sons or daughters of God, what is, what's, the, what's the fruit of my life? What's coming out of my life? What are people seeing in my life? What are people hearing? Those things. It, it is, is, you know, basically, you ever heard the, the, the analogy garbage in, garbage out? Right, what we're putting into our life—that's what's going to come out of it. If we're pouring the holy, the, the holy scriptures into our lives, into our minds, uh, and we're uh, and we're submitting ourselves to those. Not just—I've heard several people say, "I've read the Bible," blah, 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 and they're they're living a life completely contrary to it. Uh, then, uh, well, you haven't submitted yourself to the Bible, right? And, and and the God of the Bible, you haven't you haven't come to that point of submission where the Bible comes alive to you, because the Bible even says in Hebrews. That the, the, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So for somebody to say, I've read the Bible and I da, 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 well, you didn't read it with eyes of faith. You didn't come, you didn't open yourself to it. You just wanted to check a box to say that you have. Maybe. Maybe that was their intention, whatever it was. But sons and daughters of God are the ones that are those that have been led by the Spirit of God. With Jesus addressing the Pharisees, Jesus, uh, you know, t uh, you know, as he's uh, addressing the people that had inherited the name of God because of their bloodline, right? Israel, right, governed by God. So, and because of their bloodline uh, and their attachment to Abraham, they said, "Well, we're sons of Abraham. We we have to be sons of God." And Jesus said, "If you were sons of God, you would believe in me." And he even goes on to call them uh, that tell them that they're sons of their father, the devil. You know, he, he didn't have, Jesus didn't mince word, words with, and those guys, those were the, re, the religious leaders, those that people would look at and say, well, these, per, these people must know God. Look how they're dressed, you know, and, and look how, you know, they're standing on the, on the corners and they're saying uh, these prayers, you know, they, they must know God. But they were whitewashed tombs, Jesus told them. They're whitewashed tombs. If they were sons of God, they would have actually heard uh, uh, what was happening uh, in, in the scriptures and who Jesus is. And he said, if you are sons of God, you would know who I am. And uh, you, they would believe. <clears throat> you know, if you consider what they were faced with, they were faced with a legal relationship with God. They had the law. So they had a relationship with God based on the law. We don't have that. Remember uh, in Peter, when, when Peter went and he was, he was preaching to the Gentiles and they came to faith and they received the Holy Spirit. When those, and then Peter comes back and he's telling everybody, he's like Jerusalem council. He's like, Hey, look, I've seen these people receiving the Holy spirit. And he says, we can't put the burden on them that we ourselves couldn't bear. 
If they've already received the Holy Spirit, we're not supposed to tie them into the law, telling them, right? We've talked about this before. Like If you consider when Paul tells the Galatians they're foolish, oh, foolish Galatians, right? What does he have to say? He said, because the Galatians wanted to return to the law. They wanted to embrace grace and the law and put those two things together. That's legalism. Legalism doesn't lead to everlasting life. Faith in Jesus Christ does. Walking uh, in freedom of, uh, that, that the Lord provides and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are, that's, guys, we're saved by grace through faith, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tell us grace through faith. And it also explains to us that it's not by works. There's a big difference there. Right. Convince. We need to. We need to. When when we get to the point where uh, uh, we're telling ourselves, I don't really know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed him as your Lord and Savior and you've asked him to forgive to forgive you of your sins? Then Jesus promised that he will come in and live inside us. Right. And he gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. We don't have to question that. What this is saying here is, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now we, we, yes, everybody has been created by God, but not not all people are sons uh, are of and daughters of God. Jesus said that you know that the uh, that God could make sons of uh, Abraham from stones, right? But those that are made sons and daughters uh, through faith in Christ, we're given a, uh, we then enter a, a very close and personal relationship with the Lord that we will say uh, over in Israel, the, the, the word uh, for a father is Abba, right? Uh, and so when we consider this, and it's a term of endearment too, that closer, and we talked about this last week, so I'm just about done wrapping this up, but we, we have to have the context moving forward. A lot of us were sick last week, right? Um, we still have some that are out uh, right now. But uh, so that Abba, that we that we can cry out uh, to the Lord and him. We didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. We didn't receive that that spirit tying us to the law. And actually, we received uh, the free gift of the Holy Spirit residing upon us so that we can walk in the freedom of uh, knowing Christ and, and walking with him. We receive the spirit of the Lord freely. So verse 16, the spirit himself bears witness within our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So uh, verse 16 is going back and saying, you know, God's spirit confirms our identity in him. We have an identity with the Father as we stand as believers in Christ. And and as we're walking with the Lord, and we see that his spirit is actually what it says there, bears witness with our spirit. Okay, so if you need the confirmation, do I have the Holy Spirit in my life? Okay, take yourself through those things I just mentioned. Those are promises from God. And the Holy Spirit is, you know, look at what Jesus said. He called him the comforter, the helper, right? He's going to comfort us. He's going to help us. He's going to come along, right? So, so the para and an epi. We've talked about that, right? Uh, before we came to Christ, the Lord uh, para coming alongside us, right? We accept Christ. He's then in us, n, right? And then epi is upon. We're empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Those three things. Those things should we should be able to look at our lives and see those things being evident. 
Okay, that that the Lord was with us and He's He's calling us to Him. Right. Once we've accepted Him, He's in us. Right. Then He gives us power to live for Him. That epi. So so there's the day to day, and then there's He may uh, the Spirit of of God may come upon us powerfully in a certain situation, whatever it is. But those three things, remember those things and how the how the the, the Holy Spirit ministers uh, to us. So we're made sons of, of, uh, of and daughters of God through faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit confirms that uh, as we walk with him, we are his sons and daughters, right? God's spirit ministering to our spirit. If we're God's children, we're heirs of, of God. And that's crazy for us to think, right? And I don't know about you, but, but there's, a, there's something that we might struggle with going, wait a minute, not only am I forgiven, but now I'm an heir and, I, and I'm an heir just like Jesus so let's let's dive into this. Sons and daughters are heirs of their parents, right? And and uh, even an adopted child, an adopted child has the same uh, uh, rights as a natural child does. Once they're adopted, they're officially in the family, right? So if if you know those parents pass away and there are four children, three natural and one adopted, they all get an equal portion of what what is uh, to be divvied out according to law. Right. So I've actually been a part of and it was such a blessing when Eric uh, and Alyssa Mitchell adopted Ellie Mitchell. They've had Ellie since she, the, the day she was born. Uh, they were in the hospital. The, 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 the adoption was already set up and, and for them to start the adoption process right at that point. And, and then when Ellie was, what, two? Uh, two or so she was adopted. Yeah, between one and two, somewhere around there. I have an awful memory with those types of things. But I remember sitting in the judge's chambers. And he's explaining to them what this means. She is becoming one of their daughters. She, she's, she is their daughter at that point. When it's legal, it's done. She is their daughter. Adopted, right? Says that we are adopted. We are, we are. Uh, now that word in the Greek is actually talking about uh, adults. Uh, so adult sons, or, or look at it, uh, you know, the ladies, adult daughters that have been made uh, heirs uh, by God, and were adopted. By the Lord, and and you know we're not adopted into salvation. We have a whole new uh, new birth when that comes. But this adoption is talking about the inheritance we have with the Lord. So uh, we when it says joint heirs with Christ, uh, let's move on with that. Uh, joint heirs with Christ. Uh, that's uh, if indeed we suffer with Him. It, just know, uh, and it says also that we may also be glorified together. Uh, if you are a Christian, uh, just know you're going to suffer persecution because of our affiliation with Jesus Christ. Uh, this this world hates Jesus. Uh, it may, especially here in America, uh, it's it's tamed down and it's it's a sophisticated hate because hey, you know I I, I can't come out and say it. But when you talk about the principles of uh, you know, and you guys uh, you you've heard me warn you about this. Uh, don't get all wrapped up in arguments on social media. Okay, the keyboard warriors aren't going to succeed. Uh, sorry, they're not going to uh, surrender uh, based on what we have to say to them. On because they're on a keyboard and they're sitting there. Do not waste your time. Okay, uh, say what you need to say if you need to get on there and say something. And you're going to get laughed at. You're going to be mocked. You're, make sure it's accurate whatever you're saying. If if I'm just saying if you need to, I'm not telling everybody to grab your phones and jump on you know social media and start arguments. Just understand. In, on social media, in your workplace, in those things, when you're trying to share in meetings or whatever, the eyes are going to roll when you mention the name of Jesus. 
people are going to get a little shifty. You can watch that happening and their, their, their physical frame starts doing things, right? Those, those nonverbal things that are happening. People are shuffling. They're getting a little nervous. Just understand uh, it's, it's because of our affiliation with Jesus Christ. We're going to suffer persecution amongst friends, families, uh, the workplace, neighborhood, whatever it is. Just be prepared for it. Understand that there's a glory on the other side of that. You know, being in the presence of the Lord is going to wipe any any type of you know persecution we have faced. In America, uh, thankfully, we we don't deal with a whole lot of physical uh, persecution. Consider China; they have to meet in secret in China because it's 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 uh, uh, illegal uh, to gather in the name of Jesus. Right? We have some people that have been here, uh, been uh, in China, and have experienced those things. Right? Consider other countries. You name the name of Jesus, you can be killed. Here, things haven't progressed to that point yet. But there is a persecution at the name of Jesus Christ. We cannot be surprised when that happens. First Peter chapter 4, Peter addresses this. Chapter uh, 4, verses uh, 12 through 16 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which, uh, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when he is, uh, sorry, when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're repro reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Right? So th there's a, a proper application for us, right? So we can look here and go, this applies when we're reading in Romans. We can learn from this. We can understand this. Because what it says here in, in verse 13 is rejoice to the extent that you are able to partake in Christ's sufferings. Rejoice. Don't think it's strange. Rejoice. Remember, right, the, the apostles, right, uh, go through the book of Acts. They get beaten. They get thrown out and everything. And what do you find them doing? They're praising God. They're high-fiving. We're probably low five and their shoulders are probably hurt, right? They're doing whatever they can to do a modified high five. We'll put it that way. They know that, that, that they're suffering. And in verse, uh, verse uh, 14, it says, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So uh, rather, uh, we are told rather uh, to rejoice in Jesus. You know, what did, what did Jesus say? The sufferings aren't worthy, and it goes on to say there in, in Romans 8, what we're reading, sufferings are not worthy to uh, be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. What did Jesus say? Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus also said in John chapter 16, it's uh, the second half of, of, of verse 33 says, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We are going to experience the 
persecutions, sufferings, and those things. We, they, we can't act like, oh, I'm so shocked that somebody said something to me. That's about usually what we experience here in the United States. Somebody might say something to us, right? They, they may even strike you, right? You might get hit. I've heard Ken talking about trying to minister to people and, and, and uh, getting, getting punched in the face for sharing the gospel. I've also heard of his daughter setting him up to get punched in the face at a skate park, right? That's a whole different story, okay? So there, there are things that uh, his daughter set it all up, which is hilarious. Um, I didn't hear him sell, tell the story. I think Corey told us it, maybe. Yeah, Corey's reminded me of it recently, but don't count it. You know, we, we have to understand that uh, those sufferings uh, are going to happen. Persecution is going to happen. But our focus shouldn't be the persecution. It should be the glory on the other side, right? We watched the, uh, as we read through Acts, right? We watched the, uh, the apostles doubling down. Cool, we got to suffer. Let's go back. Let's go do it again. You know, we need to be encouraged by those things. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Holy of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if, he, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So uh, what this, this portion of Scripture is talking about is even creation longs to be delivered from the corruption that's on this earth. You know, you think of it, you know, the Save the World campaigns, I get it. I don't want to trash it. I don't want to, like, drive out the road, down the road and everybody throws trash out. But, guys, there, there isn't anything, according to the scriptures, there's nothing we can do to, like, turn everything around, right? Everything's at a point of breaking down is what's happening. So, so embrace that and know that, uh, you know, the Lord's in control. He's doing what he can. Yes, should we clean our neighborhood? Should we clean our yards? Yes. You know, we should. I'm not just like, hey, you know, uh, scriptures say that, you know, uh, the world's going to burn. So, you know, we're just going to take our trash and just chuck it out. The no, that's not it at all. And you guys know I'm joking about that, right? But we have to understand that even creation knows that there's something better. And then Paul goes on to say, we know that there's something better. We're eagerly waiting for something greater. You know, uh, when, when we consider you know, there, there's a glorification. There's something different. You know, we, we currently uh, live and, and we experience corruption all around us, right? If you don't believe in corruption, uh, just look at your car like two years after you buy it, right? You know, we've got salt and, and uh, the calcium that they throw on it and it eats it alive, right? That's corruption. That's corrosion. Those are things that come in and they destroy. There's a breaking down, right? Speaking of a greater time, Think of this. Isaiah spoke of this, uh, of, a, of, a, of a time of peace in the reign of, of, of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9 says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, 
and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Uh, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall uh, put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt. Uh, they shall not hurt nor destroy in the holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So understand that uh, that the Lord puts an end to corruption and destruction. Right? Look at uh, look at Revelation uh, twenty one and twenty two. The new uh, heaven, the new the new Jerusalem. Right? Where where there's no more uh, death, there's no more tears. There, you know, all of those things are gone. There there's a, a greater thing that we are looking forward to. You know, the death, destruction, uh, the corruption, all those things are gone. Uh, it, you know, right now they're an evidence of the curse, right? You know, think of, uh, you know, gar the Garden of Eden. You know, Adam and Eve were in there and they could just eat and everything. And when they sinned, uh, of course, they, they died a spiritual death, right? They, they, that's what happened to them. when They didn't die physically because if they did, we wouldn't be here, right? Um, uh, they died, a sp their spirit died because of their sin. But God also said that the, the ground was going to be cursed and they're going to have to work for everything. They had everything available to them. Right. So evident, there's evidence of of this corruption and, and this uh, this uh, destruction that's all around us. And we we uh, we long for something much greater. You know, when Matthew uh, 24, where this is talking about birth pangs, when we see a prophecy being described in Matthew 24, Jesus is is telling us things that we can see so that we understand the time is getting short. Guys, it's 2000 years after he said those things. And when we consider, consider what Daniel said, where many will travel to and fro. Knowledge will increase and many will travel to and fro. We can get on a plane. When, when uh, Jen and I were over in Italy, uh, you know, we just sometimes jump on the, 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 the planes that were there were called hops, right? And, and thankfully, right at the base we had, Jen uh, could drop me off or we could have friends drop us off right at the base and we'd take a military flight and go wherever we're going for free. We could go from Italy to Baltimore to Maine in one day. Many will travel to and fro. We can launch people to the moon. If you're wondering whether the time is short, many will travel. When, when, when Daniel was describing, look at Daniel 9, Daniel 12, and in those prophecies of end times, right? And, and, and you see that as uh, you know the prophecies of Daniel, and you see these things uh, happening all around us, we, we'd have to be blind to not... Uh, not have any of these things register with us? We have to understand there the, the the time is growing short. Now, Paul describes. He says we also have the first fruits of the spirit, and he describes that we within ourselves we groan. You know, we've experienced a taste of the glory that's to come in salvation, and is his uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You know, and we groan. We eagerly wait and desire for God's presence. There's nothing else that fulfills. Once we've tasted who God is, nothing else tastes right. Nothing else is going to fulfill. There, we understand this, right? The, the, any believers in here, we understand that that void that can only be filled by the Lord, right? We we can't go back and then try to find something that's going to fill that because then what do we do? We're in an endless pursuit to try to 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 gain that peace and that joy that we had in the Holy Spirit. We're never going to find that outside of God. 
and he's so he's so faithful that we won't that we can't right that's a faithful that in and of itself is speaking of the faithfulness of god you're not going to find your true contentment like you're looking for in anything other than him that's the faith, faithfulness and love of God that, that would uh, would create that void that, that can only be filled by him. If you need that, ask him, and he'll give it. If, I need, if we need to pray after church, come talk to me, and we'll talk. It says that we're eagerly waiting, eagerly waiting. You know, the, it, we're, we're, we're crying out. We're, we're groaning for a better day. Right? We, we walk through. Uh, how do we get through some of the harder days? Because of hope. Right, this is going to end, and we're going to go on to something greater. You know, when we have the hope of of the Lord within us, when we have the Spirit in us, there's a reminder there. Yeah, you may be going through something, but on the other end of this, you know, God is is working. We're going to see He's working for our good. You know, when the Lord rules and reigns in our hearts, you know, the the kingdom and His righteousness, all those things that we can that we can uh, hope in, those things that we can find our strength and our peace in. We're going to find those in God. We're, and, and I'm just so blessed that we can't find it in anything else. Paul ends that portion of Scripture and he says, why would we hope for something that, we, that we've already seen? You know, if we've already seen something, uh, then, then it's no longer hope. We've already seen it. We've already experienced it. He's talking about something we haven't seen. Right, we can look right when 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 Paul wrote of a man, which many believe that it, he's talking about himself in, in the third person, that 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 he was able to go see when he died, and many believe it was the this, this stoning at Lystra when he was uh, stoned. That he describes that a man was able to go and be in the presence and speak, and, and he can't. It would be unlawful for him to speak of what he saw. Right, we know that there's something greater. That's our hope, guys. That, that's the hope that we cling to because we can look at the scriptures and understand that, that Jesus spoke of it. And if Jesus spoke of that uh, and, and the hope and, and that, that someday we'll be with him forever, then we can, we can, because of his resurrection, we can live in that hope. And we can find our joy, find our strength in that hope because of the resurrected Christ. We hope for something we can't see. That you know, hope itself, and in, in this, uh, in in what's being described here is that eagerly waiting is, and it says that we're we're going to experience a, a perseverance, you know, pressing on in our hope of something greater. That persevering, you know, when things get tough, you know, we need to be able to push through. That's persevering. Those things. How do we do it? By hope. You know, we you've probably heard the the analogy before. I don't know if Will shared it with us or if I read it or whatever. It's the uh, there was a scientific, it's, it's sad to think of, right? The scientific uh, test of taking rats and throwing them in a bucket of water. How long are they going to last, right? And they would introduce things so that the, the rat could come out of the water for a little bit. And then they'd wait longer and longer in between those. And the rat would keep, you know, treading water, waiting. Wait, that thing that came is going to come. That hope, right? Now, don't go too far into the analogy because the rats, they, they go on until the rats die. But the hope that the rat had, right? So I'm not trying to, you know, end that. But but understand, the hope made them last so much longer than those that didn't have the introduction of something that was going to come and help. Right? So the ones the ones that didn't experience that, that rest from that didn't last like the ones that did experience the break. They did experience that. Oh, wait, there's a hope. There's something that's coming. So I don't know when it was, but I just it just came to mind, so I had to share it. 
Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We need help. If, if we haven't figured that out in our lives, we need help. God knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. He knows that we are clay. The Spirit knows these things and helps us in our weaknesses. Uh, and He even helps us when we don't even know what we ought to pray for as we, as we should. Like there's something, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit interceding and, and, and helping us. You know, he steps in and he makes that intercession for us because we don't know what we need to say. Right. There are times, right, you've been there before where you're just like, I don't even know how to pray right now. Just sit quietly and meditate on the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know what to say. He's taking care of things. You know, read, read that, that again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, meaning that we have weaknesses and that the Spirit there is, is ministering is what it's saying. The Spirit ministers. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions with groanings which cannot be uttered. I can't think of what to say. I can't think of what to do. Just trust in the Lord and say, God, I don't know what to do in this scenario. I just need to trust in you that you're going to take care of this. He says what's needed to be said according to his will. We can also understand that Jesus interceded for our sin. You know, the Spirit in intercedes uh, for us in prayer. Right? There was no way for our sins to be paid for. Rome, we've seen that all through the scripture in our studies and everything. Romans 8, the beginning of it, even says that there was no other hope. That he had to, that God had to send his only begotten son to die in our place to take captivity captive. Right, The scriptures tell us that. To, to, to defeat sin. And he defeated sin. Re read through it. I think it's verse 4. Uh, Romans 8, verse 4. That's, that's saying that he, that he conquered sin. Not those exact words, but you know what I mean. The Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper. It says saints here. Again, this is not the super spirituals, right? If you grew up Catholic like me, I heard saints. Okay, and those were people that went through this whole process of being vetted by saints, uh, you know, through Rome and all these things. Uh, that's not what, what biblical sainthood is. It's just one that has faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A Christian. That's a saint. You know, because otherwise, who's Paul writing to? They haven't been through the process, right? To the saints that are here, to the saints that are, they're all through, somehow through the process? No, no, that's not biblical. You know, he's speaking of every believer in Christ. A saint is a holy one, one made holy by Christ's blood. And he says, according to the will of God, right? That when, when the Spirit intercedes for us, he's interceding uh, according to the will of God, not our will. It's not like, hey, Spirit, can you give me some help here? Because I don't notice God the Father helping me in this, this case. Can you, can you come alongside? I don't know how to say this or anything. No, he's interceding for us in our weakness, right, according to his will. God's will uh, it, it leads to life and peace. We've seen that, right, and true fulfillment. And his, his will is so far superior to our will. We need to be subject to his will, and the Spirit will help us to do so. Romans 8.28, many people know this uh, and uh, probably going to be able to pick up on it as we're reading it. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. This means that uh, the life of the believer is completely in the hand of God. 
if we don't feel that, if we don't believe that we're experiencing that, then go to the Lord and he's going to reveal these things to us. But what that is saying there is that all things work together for good to those who love for those uh, who love God and are the called according to his purpose. All these things were completely in his hand. Jesus said that nobody can pluck us from his hand. Right. The good, the bad, the joy, the pain, everything, God working for our good. We can't look and go, I'm going through a hard time. God must be cursing me. You know, hey, everything's great. You know, I must be blessed in God's eyes. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. James tells us that even when we're in a trial, you know, consider it pure joy, right? It's probably not pure joy going through the trial, right? That's why we have to be told to consider it to be pure joy. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of, of, of many kinds, right? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and that patience is going to do its work in our lives and we are going to come out. And it says perfect and complete, right? The, mature. We're going to be matured through those processes. We're going to grow in our faith as we go through these things. Consider Jeremiah. The Lord told him that before uh, he even, uh, he says, before you were even um, formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I sanctified you. That's the God that we serve. He's, he's working way before we can even think he's working in our lives. The fact that you may consider, uh, or, or loved ones that, that we're ministering to, may be considering, well, who is this God? You can know that God is already working. Because, right, Romans 2, 4 tells us it's the goodness of God that calls us to repentance. You can let him know. You know God's already working in your life right now as we're having this discussion? Because you, can, you didn't just on your own come up to this point of, oh, hey, you know what? It's God calling. It's God drawing us. It's a wonderful thing. Remember Joseph's story. You know, think think of you guys, you know, we some of us have been through some pretty traumatic things in our lives. Think of Joseph's story. That guy got sold, you know, and 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 then sold uh, sold again. He got framed, he got imprisoned. Got forgotten about, right? We went through all those things. What did Joseph say at the at the end of his life? What do you say at the end of his life? He's gathered together with his brothers in Genesis 5, uh, 50 verse 20 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order that it may, it, uh, it, sorry, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So we also need to realize that not only was God working for Joseph's good and Joseph told his brothers, you know, they're still like, okay, dad died. Is, is this, is this when he's coming after us? He's like, Again, guys, relax. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And God took him through those things. Being sold, be, you know, being framed, being imprisoned. And then he reveals these dreams to, to the baker and the butler, right? And they're like, hey, don't forget about me. I'm in here. They forget about him, right? That, that's, if you're going to be down about something and you know you're, 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 uh, you stand before the Lord uh, uh, in, in right standing with those things, you know, that's a guy that could have just said, fine, I'm walking away. But the Lord, in this perfect timing, in his, in his will, brought him to that point where now he's, he's used, uh, being used to save many people. So it's, we have to realize it's not only just about us. What we're going through in our lives, God might be working something far greater than what we think. Joseph just wanted to get out of prison. Probably wanted to go home, tell him his brothers. Get some justice, right? 
But no, he goes to Pharaoh and God uses him for so much more. Elevates him to second in command of the most powerful nation uh, on earth. God is doing something so different. And what he, the, the wisdom God gave him and the revelation of the dream saved you know, how many people's lives? Saved his whole family's life. We have to realize that God's not, we, we can get so self-centered and self-focused on things that we don't understand that what God is doing isn't just for our own, our own good, but it might be actually for somebody else's good. We have to have a proper eternal perspective on things. You have to understand, I may not understand this. I may be going through something that's so so crazy that it's, it's uh, you know, taking over and, and I don't see where there's any hope or I don't see God working in this. Remember Asaph in Psalm 73? And he's describing the wicked and how the wicked is prospering. He's like, why are they having, and, 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 and the righteous aren't. And he's going, okay, where's God? Where, why are these things happening to them and those things happening to the good people? Why are those things happening? But remember, Asaph got to the point, then I entered the temple, right? Then he saw their end. He understood, wait a minute. There's an, in, an, in an eternal perspective, he realized that their end, they may, they may be prospering now, but they are, are going to have to answer for how they lived in front of God. And he, when he realized those things, then he gets to the point. So because he's crying out saying, what, is it even worth following God? Look at how the wicked's prospering. He's seeing all those things. And then he gets the eternal perspective from the Lord. The Lord speaks to his heart. Right. And then his his mindset changes. And then he says, you are with me. You guide me. You counsel me. You lead me to glory. You know, his whole perspective changes once his perspective goes from this world to an eternal perspective. I'm going to go over a couple minutes, but I won't keep you till, you know, another hour and a half. No, I'm just kidding. But um, so we have to realize that the Lord is uh he, he works for all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise to Christians. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If someone uh, you know we know wants this, you, you know, hey, I want that in my life, share the gospel with them. If we need to know that, then we can rest in God's word. Knowing that if we've confessed, we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth, okay, then we're saved, right? Like Romans tells us. We're at that point. Then we know the Holy Spirit indwells us. Then that's the point where the battle starts happening in our mind, right? And we're going, well, am I a son of, or daughter of God? You know, it, it, is all this true? Then we go to the scriptures, and we, we have to rest on the scriptures. Because if we let our minds and our enemy, right, we face th you know, three, uh, three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? So when we're facing those things, we're not going to be able to f face them ourselves, so when these thoughts are popping in and everything, oh, wait a minute, where is this coming from? If it's a thought of condemnation, if it's a thought where you're going, wait a minute, the, you know, this is coming uh, in my life because God hates me, or this is coming in my life because I'm not worthy. Uh, it, no, we're not worthy, but God still loves us, right? We get to that point. We have to, we have to take that thought captive in the obedience of Christ and say, where is this thought leading me to? Is it driving me from the Lord? Is it driving me to go back to an old life? Is it driving me into captivity to sin? Or is it driving me to Christ? That's how we know, right? So there, there, when, when we capture a thought in our mind and, and something's overwhelming us or whatever it is, is that thought condemning us and pushing us away from a relationship with God? Then that's from our, our, the, the wicked one, from our enemy. If the, if the thought is, is convicting us, 
And that conviction is driving us to Jesus Christ and to submitting to Him. Then we know it's from the Spirit. But our, 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 uh, the enemy of our soul is going, to, is going to condemn us and push us away from God. The Holy Spirit is going to push us toward Jesus Christ. So if we find ourselves wondering, we're going through those things. We have to understand we have an enemy uh, and we can't listen to his voice. James chapter 4 verse 7 uh, and 8 says, Therefore submit to God. This is where uh, true freedom, strength, and, and victory are, really, is my own note. But uh, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. We have to be able to understand where those things are coming from and understand who God is. The word promises that all things are working together for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So if we believe that, and we're and uh, because of time, we're we're going to stop there, and we'll pick up in verse twenty nine. I had planned to get through the whole thing, but I still have three pages of notes and, and scriptures to go through, and we're already late. So um, we're, we'll pick up because this can flow into chapter nine for us, and and uh, we'll get into that. But it's it's so important for us to understand who do we belong to. If we if we have professed faith in Christ, who do we belong to? We can't. We're not stuck in a limbo. Right? If we profess faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit dwells within us, then God is working all things for, uh, for our good, for those who love God and are those uh, that are the called according to his purpose. Now, we're going to stop there because there's a long conversation that we've already had as a church before and because there's this whole thing right, that, that comes, uh, comes about uh, re regarding uh, you know, uh, pre-selection and, uh, and free will, Calvinism and Arminianism that has ripped the church apart for, for hundreds of years. What's the focus? Peter was just sharing with us. What is the focus? Like, what are we doing? We can put things in a, in a, in a, in a, in a shoebox, like washcloths and pens and, 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 and little toys and maybe some hard candies or whatever's allowed to be in there, right? We put those things together and understand if we're, guys, so many people have wasted their time with stupid things like Calvinism and Arminianism and ripping things apart. Yes, we should have a proper perspective from the scriptures. But if that's our passion, our passion should be the Great Commission. It has to be. Because though that argument has done nothing but rip the church apart. Bring division, right? Within the body. Is division supposed to be in the body? No. Right? We should be united in the Great Commission. We, we have to cling. We have to understand that as we're walking with the Lord, His Spirit is doing a work in us that we don't understand, that, that, that we sometimes can see, sometimes we can't. Our, our duty in all of this is to trust the Word of God and obey the Word of God. As we're trusting the Word of God, then that's going to dictate, okay, where's my mind going to go? Am I going to freak out about this or am I going to freak out? No, I'm going to trust God's Word. And I'm going to obey the word and do what, the, what God's word tells me to do. And if we're, guys, if we're busy about God's work and we're doing those things, we're not getting wrapped up in the worries and all those things, right? We're too focused on doing what God is calling us to do. Understanding that everything that's happening in our life, good and bad, is working for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So then we can look at, I don't like this. I don't understand it. But I'm trusting God that I'm in his hand. And he's, he's, you know, when Jesus said that nobody can, can take us out of his hand, okay, then we just walk trusting him. 
That, that's the whole point. Re remember, Peter said, Peter even said, you know, why would we hope for something we've already seen? For those things we can't see, that's when we move forward in hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hope. We thank you for the spirit that lives in us. Oh, Lord, help us to walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. We don't want to experience death. We want life and peace. Lord, we want to uh, just meditate on your goodness and know that you're doing work in us, that you're working in our lives, that you're working in and through us, that you're, you're helping us in our weaknesses, that we can come to you. We can come to brothers and sisters as you lead us. Lord, that we don't have to submit to uh, the wicked one. We don't have to submit to the demands of our flesh. We are your sons and daughters. We're made those because of what you've done and your love calling to us. We ask, God, that you would help us to know who we are. If we know who we are, then we have a proper eternal perspective to face the things that we're facing. Help us not to get swallowed up by the earthly perspective or the perspective of the wicked one that would draw us from you. Help us, Lord, to have a proper perspective in our lives, understanding that we are sons and daughters of God, we have the Spirit, and that you are working in our lives. God, that you're working all things for good. Help us to trust you and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Don't forget, next week we're going to start our uh, gathering for Operation Christmas Child, the, um, the shoe boxes. So you don't have to bring in a shoe box. Just bring in the item. If you want to participate and God's leading you to, bring in uh, a washcloth, something along the washcloth line. Not a big towel. It's going to fit in the shoe box, right? Um, and then we'll, we'll have more from that. And do not forget, please, to grab a poster. Guys, uh, grab a poster, something to pray about. So being about God's work, uh, ministering to children, and praying for those in need. So God bless you guys.